0: Amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Great, great stuff. And uh, if you got a Bible with you, say amen. All right, Romans chapter 12 is where we find ourselves today. If you're a guest of ours, we're in a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit experience. Now, next Sunday uh, is a pretty important Sunday. Are y'all aware of this? We've got Easter Sunday coming up. Are y'all down with Easter? Say amen. All right, so I want you to invite somebody who doesn't know the Lord, bring them to our Easter service, and pray that God would speak to their heart. We're going to have an awesome, awesome time next Sunday. But today, we're kind of finishing up this mini-series entitled The Holy Spirit Experience. Now, before we dive in, I got a confession to make on behalf of my family, all right? So, this is true of our family. Let's see if it's true of yours as well. Uh, We're not real big fans of cleaning the house. Y'all down with that, right? Now, don't get me wrong. If you came to the house, it would be clean, all right? You would see that it looked nice. Everything was put in place, but we just don't like doing it. But we have to do it. At least Krista says we do. So we have to clean the house. So what we have uh, realized is that we actually worked better whenever we were together. So there have been times when I gathered the whole family in the living room, and I've written down the names of all the rooms of our house, put them on little sheets of paper, put them in a hat, and pass them around, and everybody's praying, Lord, don't give me the bathrooms. You know, they're pulling out. Whatever they pull out is what they have to clean. Now, we've traded before as well. And I remember one time we wrote down a number beside every single room in our house, and then we rolled dice, and whatever that dice fell on, that was the room that you cleaned up now, are y'all with me? Say yes. If you're not a big fan of dice, just pretend I cast lots. All right. That's what I did. And then the Lord sovereignly said that Krista had to do the bathrooms. All right. So that was kind of how that rolled out. But here's what I've learned. Whenever we work together, we actually have better attitudes. And I know this for a fact, because I have been at the house before vacuuming by myself. And the whole time my attitude stunk. And I was like, those sorry kids. Why can't they clean up after themselves? This is me vacuuming, by the way, if you're not realizing that. But anyway, so, so, but what I have is that when I'm vacuuming everybody else is involved and we got the music blaring because that's how we roll too right so we're playing like house party and we're uh cleaning up the house and and then what happens is I see Maddie over there and she's doing an awesome job I'm like girl you're knocking it out she's mopping the floors and I see Marley she's up there dusting I'm like girl that room's never looked so good right and then before it's all over with them and they're holding their broom handles and they're singing to the music and it's like a full-on concert in our house but it's speak and span top to bottom can I get a witness on that right so what I've realized is our attitudes are better I've Realize as well that our efficiency is better. Whenever we try to do that as an individual, it takes us, I don't know, three, four hours. But whenever we do it together and we've timed ourselves, we get it done under an hour. Can I get a witness on that, how awesome that is? Thank you. All right, so anyway, I didn't get one at all. All right, but anyway, that's very quick if you're not aware of it. And so that's big and span top to bottom. Now, the reason I share this with you is because I want you to know that when you came to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. But the Spirit of God doesn't roll dice to figure out what gifts He is going to give you. He actually sovereignly chooses to give you specific gifts to serve in the family of God. And when you serve using the gift that the Spirit of God has given to you, you have a better attitude. And you also discover that we get more done and we are better together matter of fact the bible says in 1st corinthians chapter 12 that there are a variety of gifts but there is the same spirit so the holy spirit there's one and then he gifts Spiritually to every single follower of Jesus to serve in the context of the body of Christ and really That's what Paul the Apostle is talking about here in Romans chapter 12 He's elevating the fact that the individuals have gifts and they should serve so let's look at that together Romans 12 verse 4 If you got your Bible there stand with me out of God's Word this morning. You got it there in front of you say amen All right, so the Bible says just as we have many members in one body And all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving. If he teaches in his teaching, if he exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy is to do so with cheerfulness. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And now we ask that you'd speak to the hearts of your people here so that every single person understands what you desire for their life and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said amen amen so you'll be seated this morning all right four takeaways and I got to go quick so jot these down in your listening guide if you will but these are all de- dealing with the spiritual gift that God has given to you the first thing I want you to know this morning is that you have a place you have a place and that's very uh, clear here in Romans chapter 12 but Paul also says in first Corinthians 12 and verse 7 To each one is given the manifestation for the common good, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit, has given you a spiritual gift for the common good of the church. This means so that when you exercise your gift, you are actually helping the body grow strong and grow healthy matter of fact, if you think about a strong and healthy church, I think if you're serious with yourself, that's probably what kind of church you want to be a part of. That's what kind of church I want to be in. I want to be in a vibrant church, one that's strong, one that's healthy. And I know you want that. I want that for my family as well. I want my kids to grow up in a church where the church is strong, vibrant, and healthy. Now, For that to happen, that means that every single person needs to serve using the gift that the Holy Spirit has given to them. Because when you use your gift in the context of the body of Christ, you are helping this entire church reach its potential. And we know what the Lord's called us to do. We're called to make disciples everywhere. So we didn't make it up, Jesus told us to do it. But in order for us to do that efficiently, in order for us to do that with great attitudes, every single one of us have to step up and use the gift that God has given to us. And you have a place. You know, Jim Collins writes a book entitled Good to Great. And in his book, he actually uh, does a statistical analysis of companies that went from good to great over a 40 year time span. And as he's doing his research and his analysis, he actually began to see some of the companies that went from good to great had the exact same things in common. And one of the things that elevated in this particular study, which Jim Collins notes, is that those that went from good to great had phenomenal leaders who had the ability to get people involved in where they were headed and put them in the right place in the organization to serve. He called this principle the principle of the bus. So if you can think about it, you've got a bus, and the bus driver is the leader, and those who are in the bus are part of the team, and they need to be in the right place so that they can move on and accomplish their goals. Now, if you think about that for just a moment, because when I read it, I thought about Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. If I can use Jim Collins' analogy, Jesus is uh, the bus driver. And so Jesus invites you to get on the bus with him. You do that by faith in Christ. So whenever you get on the bus, the Bible says the Spirit of God now equips you and gives you a gift to serve in a particular place on the bus. So you have a place. And whenever you are in that place and I'm in that place and we're following Jesus and Jesus is moving the bus forward, you know what happens? He moves us forward down making disciples boulevard. See, you have a place. I want you to know your place. I want you to find that place and then write this down. Secondly, I want you to employ the gift the Spirit has given to you. In fact, I could say it to you like this. You must employ the gift the Spirit has given to you. Paul writes in Romans 12 and verse 6. Notice it there in your Bible. He says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Now think about it. It only makes good logical sense. The Holy Spirit does not give you a gift so that you would not use it. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift so that you will exercise it, employ it, put it into play. A couple years ago, I found the perfect gift for my parents for Christmas. I was so fired up about this, I found this gift uh, while watching an infomercial one night. And so, are y'all with me? Uh, every gift on infomercials are good, but I, I was drawn into this, right? Like I mean, cast a spell on me, I don't know what was going on. I mean, I'm into one right now, y'all listening say yeah? And so anyway, I remember watching this video and this, this thing that they were selling, I was thinking, I want one of these. I was thinking, my parents definitely want, you know what they were selling? They were selling this thing called a pressure cooker. And I was looking at it, I was like, good night, look how fast you can cook that cow. They were taking like a whole cow, shoving it in the can, 30 minutes, you're ready to eat, right? They were feeding the whole house, and I was thinking, my parents need this, man, it's going to be helpful for them. And so I listened more, I listened more, I listened more, before I know it, I had a phone. I was calling these people up, I was like, send me the pressure cooker, X-L-A-S-A-P. Are y'all listening? So here it comes. It comes in the mail. We get it. We wrap it up. I'm all fired up. Christmas is coming. So here we go. We go to my parents' house. They pull it out from underneath the tree. They unwrap it. They look at it. And then they say, what is this? And then I said, have you not seen the commercial? Like, what do you people watch around here? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I began to share with them. Yeah, man, I saw this thing on an infomercial. And here's what happens. it to cook a whole cow in 30 minutes. You just got to shove it down into the can. Good luck. Uh, with me A couple months later, I'm on the phone with my mama. I talked with her before that, but I just remember, you, you listening, but a couple months later, I'm on the phone with her. And while I'm on the phone with my mom, all of a sudden, I, I just thought about the pressure cooker. So I said, Mom, uh, tell me, man, how, how, I didn't call her man, y'all listening? But tell me, how is that pressure cooker working? And um, she said, Levi, we've been so busy, we just hadn't had an opportunity to use it. I said, all right, all right, all right. right." So anyway, we got off the phone, and then uh, six months later after Christmas, I call her up, and I'm on the phone, and I know what I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her about that pressure cooker. So I said, Mama, tell me about the pressure cooker. Is it working good? She says, Oh, honey, I feel so bad. We haven't used it. (laughs) So then I roll up kind of like this. You know what I'm saying? This is what I do when I'm mad. Y'all listening, yeah? So I said, uh, Where is the pressure cooker? I mean, you don't have, you know what I'm saying? I was ticked off, man, I ain't lying. So then she said, here, it's, it's in the closet. I said, Have you even opened it? No. Have you not watched the commercial yet? That will motivate you, woman. I hope my mama watches this online. Because I haven't spoken to her in two years. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Finally, a year later, they used the pressure cooker and they don't even like the thing. You know what I'm saying? It reminded me too, one time I bought my dad one of those things that will make an un- a French onion bloom like you get at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, they never opened that either. But anyway, so, uh, but, but this is it. You know how it makes you feel whenever you give somebody a gift and they don't use the gift. Well, multiply that times a million. The Spirit of God has given you a gift to serve in the context of the body of Christ. But when you don't use the gift, How does he feel? See, that's why it's so important that you find a local church, you join that church, and you exercise the gift that the Spirit of God has placed in your life. You move from being a consumer of the church's activity to a participator in the church's activity. Paul not only said it, but Peter said it too in 1 Peter 4 and 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So think about it. When you serve using the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you, you are being a good manager of the grace of the Lord. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, one day you're going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to give an account for how you managed the gift that he gave to you. So I'm encouraging you, find out what that gift is, serve, employ it. You've got a place. Your goal is not to come to church and sit and soak and relax. Your goal is to come and to serve using your gift. Matter of fact, Peter goes on and says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving with the strength that God provides. And then listen to what the Bible says. So that in all things, God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now think about this. You and I have the Spirit of God residing within us as followers of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Christ. So how does Jesus get glorified through my life in the church through my serving And when you serve you are glorifying Jesus, but when you choose not to serve You're missing out on that opportunity to glorify the Lord Jot this one down. This is your third point here. Uh, I want you uh, to be encouraged here With this using your gift as a way you can express your love to Jesus Using your gift is a way that you can express your love to Jesus. Now Paul describes the New Testament church as a body here in Romans chapter 12. He does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 when he says, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now look at me eyeball to eyeball because I got a question for you. Uh, how do you express your love to Jesus? You can't see Jesus. So how do you express your love to Jesus? Here's how you express your love and devotion to Jesus. You serve his body. When you serve the body of Jesus Christ, you are in effect serving Jesus. When you serve the body of Jesus Christ, you are showing your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't see him, but you love him, and you want to express that, and this is how you do it. You serve one another using your spiritual gift. I thought about David in the Old Testament, King David. King David had a great friend by the name of Jonathan. Uh, He loved Jonathan. They were devoted to one another, had a phenomenal friendship, but then Jonathan died. King David was heartbroken because he still wanted to show his appreciation and his devotion to his friend Jonathan, but he couldn't see him because he's dead. I mean, he's buried. So you know what David did? David actually called some people together in his council chambers and he said, I want you to go and find somebody who is a member of Jonathan's household and I want you to bring that man to me. So they went out and guess who they found? They found a crippled son of Jonathan named Mephibosheth. They picked him up and they brought him into the king's presence. And it was at this point that King David looked at the crippled boy and he said, sit him at my table. And he fed him, and he served him, and he took care of him. Now, why was David doing this? David was, check this out, serving Jonathan, whom he could not see, by serving his son, whom he could see. So what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. You serve Jesus, whom you cannot see, by serving the members of his family that you can see. But if you ignore the family of God, don't walk around claiming to love Jesus. If you're not serving using your spiritual gift, be careful, you're missing out on an opportunity to express your love to the one you call Savior. So when you serve, you're showing your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the fourth thing, jot this one down. You've gotta keep your gift activated. You gotta keep your gift activated. I love this. Paul the Apostle says it here in Romans chapter 12. He's like, we've got different gifts, so use them. If it's prophecy, use it. Service, use it. Exhortation, use it. If it's mercy, use it. He's saying, put these in activation. Use them. You know, As I was looking at that and thinking about that particular point that I wanted to deliver this morning, I thought about Paul and his relationship to Timothy. Paul was the mentor of Timothy. Paul was the Apostle who mentored Timothy as a young pastor. And what's unique about this relationship at this particular time in Timothy's life is that Paul had been put in prison for preaching the gospel. And so now he's writing a letter to Timothy. And he knows that is Paul, that the end of his life is right around the corner. He is about to go to a martyr's death because of his preaching of the gospel. So he wants to encourage Timothy, who apparently needed encouragement. Because Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6 and says this. Listen to what he says. Timothy... I want you to kindle afresh the gift of God that is inside of you. Listen to that. Kindle afresh the gift that God has placed inside of you. What does that mean? It means to activate it, reactivate it, set it back on fire. Apparently at some point in time in Timothy's ministry, His fire of devotion for serving Jesus began to go down. You've seen that happen in a regular fire. Maybe at your house, the fire's going down in the fireplace. Maybe at the campsite, you've seen the fire going down. And you're looking at it, and you know, what do you need? I've got to activate that fire. I've got to kindle it afresh. And so you get some logs, and you might have to blow on it. But that's the goal. You're trying to get the fire burning once again to its full blaze. So Paul says, Timothy, listen, kindle afresh the gift that God has laid within you. And look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball for just a second. So I'm trying to preach to you. You got to listen. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, some of you here today remember a time in your life when you were on fire to serve Jesus. But for whatever reason, you've allowed the fire to go down. And so God brought you to church this morning so that you could hear from him the same thing that Paul said to Timothy. You need to kindle afresh the gift that God has placed inside of you. If that's gone down, well, you better put some new logs on it. You need to reactivate your gift. You know, Paul even said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to these words. He says, Timothy, do not neglect your spiritual gift. Don't neglect it. You know what that means? Don't take your gift and put it on the shelf. That's what Timothy was in danger of doing or Paul would not have told him that. So what do we know? The idea of taking your gift and putting it on the shelf is what some people do in the context of the body of Christ. Maybe you're not only losing your passion, but you've taken your gift. You just set it to the side. And so now, you're attending church, but you're just kind of sitting, soaking, and relaxing. You're not serving. You're You're neglecting the gift that God has given to you. So I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Don't neglect your gift. Kindle afresh the gift that God has placed within you. You know, when I was studying this, I was wondering, why is it that Timothy was so uh, in danger of not Using his spiritual gift. It's pretty interesting. So listen to this. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6: Kindle afresh the gift that God has given to you. And then he says, right in verse 7, because God, listen to this, has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love. And of a sound mind. So what does that tell us a little bit about what's going on in Timothy's heart and mind? It tells you and now that at some point in time Timothy became fearful. And that fear paralyzed him from doing what God had actually called him to do. Now, what was he afraid of? Now, think about Timothy. His mentor, Paul, is in prison. His life is being threatened. You don't think that would have sent fear down the back of his spine? Without a doubt. At the same time, scholars tell us that Timothy was in the church at Ephesus at this time, and he was facing a very hard ministry position. He had battles internally and externally. And there could have very well been the fear of man. Timothy could have saw, if I continue in this direction, what are people gonna say about me? What are they gonna think about me? How are they gonna treat me? So some fear begins to pull over his life and endanger him from not using the gift God gave him. Then I thought about people in our church. Why do people not serve in the context of the body of Christ? Sometimes it happens because they're fearful. They're afraid of what others are going to say. Somebody might be like, well, I'm a brand new believer. If I serve, what will people think of me? Now, some people are like, if I serve, what is everybody going to say about me? How are they going to treat me? If I serve, i got to put some of these things aside, and i got to focus. How, what's going to happen? What are people going to... Listen, God's not giving you that spirit. So if you have that spirit of fear trying to paralyze you from doing ministry, listen, that is not from the Lord. The Lord gave you the disposition of power. That word power in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 is a word that means power on reserve. It's dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite from. So here's what God's saying. God's saying to Timothy through Paul the apostle, he's saying, listen, you have a spirit of power. You have power because I have given it to you, and I've given you so much power to serve using that gift that i got some power over here on reserve for you. You ever get tired of serving? Well, some people do. Some people say, that's what happened to me, man. I used to serve, but I got so tired, I just quit. I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm just so tired, I'm just so worn out. Listen, be careful. You may have been serving in your own strength. Because when you serve in the strength which God supplies, he's got so much power and strength, he got some back here on reserve for you. So you have that. And then he also says to Timothy, you not only have a, a spirit of power but one of love and that is agape unconditional love that is the motivating factor to serve in the context of the body of Christ so you love others and not just with your words but with your actions you love if we're not careful in the context of churches we can create a spirit of entitlement as opposed to a spirit of love The spirit of entitlement are people who come to church and they think everything should revolve around them. What are they going to do to meet my needs? What are they going to do to take care of me? How are they going to serve me? I hope that this is okay. I like this. I don't like this. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. This place is not about you. That's the spirit of entitlement. That's not from the Lord. When you have a spirit of love, which God gives to you through the Holy Spirit, you will find that you come to church not looking to be served, but coming to serve. There's a difference. And he gave you one of discipline, the Bible says. There it is, right? Power, love, and discipline. That discipline is the idea that God has given you the administrative capabilities to exercise your spiritual gift. It's pretty crazy. You have a place. The Spirit has given you a gift. You need to exercise it. If it's gone down, you need to reactivate it. And know this, when you serve, you're showing your love for Jesus, whom you cannot see. How else will you do it? There is no other option. We serve that way. Now, everybody with me say yes? Y'all seem to be with me. I appreciate you guys. I want y'all to pay close attention because I'm going to give you the end of this message by reminding you of the first two messages so you can see it all as a big picture. Y'all see what I'm doing? This is one, this is two, this is three. We, that was in my mind anyway. Y'all with me? When you are... Controlled by the Spirit, we learned this first of all, the Holy Spirit will embolden you to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit of God empowers you to share the good news of Christ. Now here's the second message. Last week we talked about it. When you are controlled by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will empower you to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he, th- this is what's happening. He is empowering you to grow in your faith. And then when you are filled with, y'all with me, I'm going to miss three over here. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he will empower you to serve in the context of the body. So how do you and I experience the Holy Spirit? Is it goosebump and tears? No. It is you empowered to witness. It's you empowered to mature in your faith. It's you empowered to serve in the body of Jesus Christ. And if you're searching for something else besides what the Holy Spirit empowers you to do, be very careful. You may be searching for a false spirit. Now, could you imagine what church would be like if everybody rolled out, being filled with the Spirit of God? Could you imagine what the church would be like if from students all the way to adults? Each one of us are empowered to share the gospel with those who are around us. Each one of us are maturing in our faith. Each one of us are serving in the context of the body. Could you imagine what God would do in this place? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want our family to be a part of. Not a church of spectators, but participators. Not a church of bench warmers, but players. Players. so with that in mind, I kind of got to ask you what your next step needs to be. You can't listen to a message like this and just roll out. There's something that you need to do. And uh, I want you to pay close attention. Some of you are here today and uh, you're not a member of a church anywhere. You're not serving. Then listen, don't put your stuff up. I ain't done preaching. Eyeball to eyeball. Here we go. Here we go. Some of you, you, you need to join a church so that you can use your gift in that local church. Now, if if God's calling you to Concord, join, that's awesome. If God's calling you somewhere else, we're okay with that. We want you to find a place, plug in, and serve. Now, if you're here today and you are a member of Concord and you're saying, I wanna serve, but I don't know where I'd serve, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. You just listed several of motivational gifts here in Romans 12, where should I serve? Then here's what step you need to take today. When you leave, you need to pick one of these little cards up. It's a CSI card. It stands for Concord Service Initiative. If you follow the instructions on the back of this, you'll be carried to a place where you can take a spiritual gift assessment. You will take that assessment. It will help you discover what your spiritual gift is, and then we will help plug you into a place to serve in the context of Concord. And we want you to serve. Because when you serve, we're better. When you serve, we're more efficient. When you serve, you elevate the attitude of this place. We want you serving. The third thing that I need to encourage some of you to do is to realize, and this is eyeball to eyeball, so this is when it gets real. Are y'all with me say yes? Everything else wasn't real. It's real now. You with me? Right. It's when it gets real, but I want you to look at me. Look at me. Some of you here today don't have a spiritual gift. You don't have one. You know why you don't have a spiritual gift? Uh, Because you don't have Jesus. Now you may have some church, you may have some head knowledge about who Jesus is, but the reality is you don't have a genuine saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we know according to the scripture. God created you to know Him, but what separates you is your sin. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. The payment of our sin is death. If you hold on to your sin, you'll spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. And there are a lot of people going there according to Jesus. And some of you are headed in that direction today. And that's why God brought you here so that you could be uh, shaken out of your spiritual stupor. Because I want you to know that God loves you just like he loves me. And he expressed his love toward us in his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a sinless life and went to the cross at Calvary. And on the cross at Calvary, he bore in his body the wrath that you and I deserve. God the Father treated Jesus Christ the Son as if he had committed every sin of every person who's ever breathed the breath of life. Jesus died on the cross for you to pay for your sins, to pay your fine, as it were. And then he was buried and resurrected. The Bible says when you trust Jesus, giving your life to him, that's when you get on the bus, man. That's when your life is changed, and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and he empowers you to witness, he empowers you to grow, and he empowers you to serve. Do not miss that. The bus may not make many more stops. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts as you see fit, and we'll give you glory.